This is the Menopause Movement Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Gordon. What's up, Menopod? I'm currently training to do the Falmouth Road Race in just a few weeks, and I will have already done it by the time this episode airs. Um, it's a seven-mile run from Woods Hole to Falmouth, and it started a couple of decades ago because some dudes wanted to go drink beer, and they just ran from Woods Hole. Anyway, the field's much smaller this year because of the pandemic, but I was one of the lucky ones who was chosen to do the run in person, and now I have to train right? And it's hard. And my body's complaining about like aches and pains and whether I'm going to be ready for the race. And some days I feel like a failure, but I keep pushing. And I'll even go out, especially, you know, if it's a gazillion degrees outside, I'll still go outside and try and get those runs done. But you know, it takes consistency and dedication. And some days I have to do what I don't want to do. And there's a lot of delayed gratification. It wasn't always like this because when I first started running again, I ran for a minute and walked for over five. I was easily 50 pounds heavier than I am now. But I realized that if I didn't do anything, nothing would change. And here I am now training to do a seven miler soon. And I feel like I've come so far. Thing is, I didn't do it all at once. I didn't make all those changes all at once. And because when it comes to menopause, you know, the only constant is change. And what I'm here to tell you is that change is possible, but it won't happen overnight. The first step to change is making the decision to change. And then we have to back that up with action. And that's the big challenge. So how do we take any action? And even more importantly, what actions should we take? Right? So the menopause movement is here to help you with all of that. And menopause can be a time of misery, or it can be a time of unapologetic action toward creating a life we love. And that's what we're here for. I woke up in the middle of my menopause journey, hating myself, my body, and the life I had created. I didn't know what to do. And I went on a quest to try and make some change happen. And the result was the menopause movement and this podcast. And the menopause movement has one purpose, and that's to help end the suffering caused by menopause. And it's through transformational education and coaching. And we want to help you too. So head on over to menopausemovement.com. Take the quiz there. And not only will you discover your type, but we'll also tailor some offerings to you to help you take back your life from menopause. Getting into the driver's seat of my life was the first step I took to overcome the changes and the challenges I, I was experiencing with menopause. But I did it alone and it was lonely. But the menopause movement has created a community of women who are unapologetically deciding to become their best selves now, one small action at a time, and you can too. Join our community, start to create a life you love. Now today we welcome Jennifer Helene, MS, to the podcast. She's been an international entrepreneur for over two decades. Her expertise is in nutrition and behavioral change. She builds teams and creates methodologies that conceive innovation before circumstances demand it. Jennifer believes in divine timing and she believes that everything that she's done in her life has led her to here to the place that she's in she's fully equipped and capable to support strong women in whatever circumstance they're in now she believes that the key to achieving optimal health is a combination of fine-tuning nutrition embodiment practices like yoga and sports plus mindset training during our podcast, we talk about Helene's health scare at age seven. Health is a secret to unlock. The three pillars to freedom, the conflicting demands society places on women, divine contracts, 
accessing the feminine, Chinese medicine as a way to ease hormone problems, shame, and managing emotions, and stay to the end to find out how to speak the language of your body. At the end of the episode, visit menopausemovement.com forward slash podcast, where you can find the show notes plus the links to the books and resources mentioned in the episode. And if you enjoy the episode, make sure you leave a written review, like and subscribe on YouTube, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast so you're always the first to know when each episode is released. Let me know who we should have on the podcast and what what we can do, what I can do specifically to make it better. I definitely want to hear from you. So send me a DM on Instagram at Dr. Michelle Gordon. That's D-R-M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-G-O-R-D-O-N or on Facebook also at Dr. Michelle Gordon. And when you send a DM to me, you get me. It's me. I'm going to answer you. Or you can send an email to Dr. Gordon at menopausemovement.com. You'll still get me, although my support team may actually answer you. Thanks for being a part of the menopause movement. I'm super, super stoked about today's guest. Let's get to Helene. Great. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, Helene, welcome to the Menopause Movement Podcast. So happy to have you here. Uh, Tell me a little bit about yourself, like who you are, who you serve, how you started this, all this kind of thing. Well, yeah, I mean, I grew up uh, in Northern Virginia outside of Washington, D.C., and I was a sick kid. They thought I had leukemia at age seven. Mm. So for me, health became like a really big focus early Wait, back up. Wait, wait, back up. They thought you had leukemia. Let's, okay, leukemia is diagnosed by a bone marrow biopsy. Did you have one? Right, I did. And did you have did you I have did. leukemia? I did not. Did you get chemo anyway? But no. Okay. So so it took them about six months to fi- finally figure out why my white blood cell count was so high. Uh. And then they took the bone marrow biopsy because they finally found a little spot. And luckily it wasn't leukemia. It was osteomyelitis. Such a random thing to have, you know. Where was your osteomyelitis? In my bone. Yeah, but- in my right femur like in the not the femur bone but the large calf in the calf uh, what is tibia. that bone called thank you did you have a and did you so, happen to have a cat scratch i might have we had cat we had a cat yeah because that can cause osteo and all the symptoms that is so interesting i never knew that wow and i was on antibiotics my entire childhood pretty much for chronic ear infections mm. uh so you know but then they had to treat the osteomyelitis of course intravenously with antibiotics yep. so i was laid up you know out of school you know it was just a bummer you know and at age seven when i had my daughter i really realized if you come into your body at age seven yeah. so so it was a real wake up for me early on like but this really isn't fun <laughs> being in a wheelchair, catheter in my arm. You know, I I grew up kind of a little awkward. My nickname was Fatso. And I don't know how it happened, but I became a model and I got scouted, a plus size model. So I got to travel all over the world at age 18. And and I'm really interested in theology. So the pieces of the puzzle for me around uh, food can be, you know, can hurt you or heal you. I was, you know, overweight. My mom was in and out of Overeaters Anonymous. Um, And so I really got into food. Our family was total, total foodies. (laughs) So we just loved to eat. But I wanted, I, I eventually I needed to figure out how to make myself healthy because I had a really rigorous schedule as a model. Went up at 4 a.m. on location, you know, by sunrise, you know, long days. Like I had to perform. Did you live that and, model um, lifestyle where you like smoked a lot and and didn't no. take care of your body? No, because we were plus size models. So we didn't have that same kind right. of, no, it was different. You don't look like you're plus size now. <laughs> well, I'm healthy. You know, I'm a good size 10, yeah. 8, 10. <laughs> I mean, they've made the clothes larger now, so I don't even know what size I am. Right on. I know, a size 10 10 is like a size 16 from the 50s now. Right, (laughs) totally. 
But anyway, I buried and moved to Switzerland. I met my husband and built a business and had a daughter, but I got a master's and bachelor's in nutrition. I decided to study French and German, learn to speak those fluently, and just traveled around the world. But when I got back to the States, ended my marriage, I really knew that I really wanted to teach people about health because I saw that that was a secret that many people didn't have. And it was so satisfying to me to see those changes. And it was really around nourishment, embodiment, and mindset. And these three pillars created this trinity that um, I saw could create freedom, freedom from suffering, freedom from you know pain, freedom from you know disease, chronic disease. Fortunately, I lost my mom really young. She was 59. Oh. It was her birthday yesterday. Uh, she would have been in her 70s now. Yeah, me too. But she in- inspired me to want to make healthy food taste great yeah. and to really like architect a way to make all this really fun. Because if it's not fun, it's not going to stick. And then what's the point? Right. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's true. So you talked about the three pillars of freedom. And um, I, I'd like to I'd like to just delve into those just briefly, if you wouldn't mind the the three pillars. So let's let's talk about those. Yeah, nourishment is key. I find that we can't even think straight if we don't have uh, our diet, you know, uh, at least aligned with a whole foods diet, high plants. It's really important to get that clarity of mind. Mm. So if we're uh, you know we're eating foods that are full of herbicides, pesticides, fungicides. Uh, genetically modified foods, like it's a problem. You know, if we're constantly reaching for sugar and flour, caffeine and nicotine and alcohol, like we just can't, it just, it's so hard to like force yourself to like stay on track. I just feel like fundamentally, if we can nourish our bodies with whole foods from their source, like it's going to make everything a lot easier, managing our emotions, perhaps also managing our hormones. That was not my my area of expertise. I'm curious to hear your take on it. <laughs> and just to be you know, a better person, a better entrepreneur, all that kind of good stuff. And then the embodiment piece is fitness, exercise, but it's more than that. It, it's not just checking it off the list and going for a run. It's really about being tuned in to what this inner this inner environment is, is showing you and telling you, mm. reading the messages your body is showing you and really like dropping in it. I work with women and, you know, I ask them how they're doing. They have no idea. They've been serving everyone else all day. You know, (laughs) they just don't know. We weren't taught to read the language of our bodies. And so I find that like this embodiment piece is so key as we re-relate to ourselves. Yeah. I think it's really important. And there's such an opportunity here to talk about and every podcast. So I'm sorry if if you're somebody who like listens to me all the time and every week you listen, I say something about the patriarchy. And again, it's not because I dislike men because I don't dislike men. I think men are awesome. And without men, it's hard to have children. But <laughs> but for whatever reason, we we are taught that we are here to serve them. And I think it's really important, especially in menopause, for us to realize that we've spent all these years taking care of the kids, taking care of everyone else, and now it's our time. Now it's our time to really take care of ourselves. And and if you're younger than that, you haven't had menopause yet because you want to learn about menopause, now is your time too, because you don't you don't exist to serve. And what's really interesting is the woman who works in my house is from Poland. And she was telling me today that, that they've got policies now in Poland that are that they've outlawed abortion and now they're teaching in school that, that girls that their job is to stay home, be a good wife, and have children, and cook and clean. Yeah, that's what they're teaching, yeah. and that's what we had in the fifties, right? And and look at where that got us. So I, I don't I don't understand why we're going backwards. I mean, it's really our job, I think, as women in power, to kind of spread the word about the fact that that yep. we have choices and we don't have to mm-hmm. serve others. 
That's right. And I think that right now this generation is, it's still new. It was my grandmother and my mother who, you know, it was kind of taboo to work. Mm. My mother, not so much. My grandmother, absolutely. So it's still new. I feel like we're integrating. And I work with moms who are, are having these demands of being a, a wife, a mom, an entrepreneur, working. And it, there are a lot of these conflicting demands. And it's, I think we're still kind of getting into this new empowerment where we have a lot of responsibility and we forget to serve ourselves. And it usually results in burnout, which I think comes from the endocrine imbalance. It it leads to divorce. It leads to absentee parenting. Mm. And it's a total breakdown. And it doesn't have to be that way. And that's actually the focus of my work is really around integrating a healthy mind, body, and soul because it's not just about what you eat. It's not just about what you think. It's not just about how you move or what you do for movement. It's really the the depth and the integration of those things. So I think we need to practice and we need people like you and me who are, are, you know, saying, hey, this is a big responsibility to be a parent, to be a woman. We drive the economy. We make the decisions. We actually are, you know, determining the trajectory of what's happening happening for humanity it's huge well especially we have with, to serve I think especially with the pandemic and having to all that go 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 kind of just had to we, we had to stop and be and that's very very feminine that's very you yeah. know very feminine and so walking into the feminine I think is is so important mm-hmm. it was important for me as a surgeon to you know especially when I retired from surgery last year and just to sit and and allow myself to be and not do so much and like okay well yeah. who do i want to be today and how do i want how do i want my life to look and and what and that's the thing you know because we have this really really powerful it, i mean you know you talk about the divine right and and as a, as a former atheist it's really funny for me to to be spiritual now because i've it's not just law of attraction it's that it's that there is something and if you read the old guys like neville goddard or uh, joseph murphy right and they talk about how to J- joseph murphy wrote a book it's still around it's called the power of your subconscious mind but on top of that he was a pastor and he talked about how to access god in a way that allowed you to create a life you love right and isn't that what we all want we want to create a life we love and so part of that i think is getting in touch with the divine and then the divine contract of working with the people that you're drawn to Mm, i love that (laughs) because that's what that's the core of the embodiment work yeah because we can't really live a life we love until we like dwell inside of our skin with love yeah and that's what the embodiment practice leads to and there's a lot of layers to it and um i mean i've been really been into yoga for the last uh, 27 years without uh, any break you know like really deep in the practice mm-hmm. and i believe that a lot of these accessing god techniques that we've been taught have actually been designed by men and a lot of them are about stillness and i was in that for I'm probably 22 of the 27 years. And lately, I've started to actually dance and bring more movement to in meditation practice. And it's so, it's so helped me to bring more femininity into my being. Mm. I, I didn't realize that I was just so masculine in that like, do, 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 which it sounds like you were in as well. And I've been able to like really um, bring more feminine energy in because there's so many demands on women today. Yeah. And we forget to serve ourselves. We forget to tap in. And that's where the embodiment practice is. Oh, so I love that. Important. Yeah. I mean, it's so important that we actually take the time to, you know, care for ourselves. And, and it's so funny because it's like, 
some sometimes you get so busy uh, that you don't even like take a shower and uh, because you got to do this, this what what you know whatever and so if you're somebody who always takes a shower every day then I'm not speaking to you but there are some I mean when I was a surgical resident there were days I didn't I'd like sometimes I wouldn't shower for two days because I would come home and sleep and then I would get up and go again the next day and it would be like you know, that was just part of being in that really super masculine kind of horrible situation. A surgical residency is really hard. It's it's really really hard. But mm. yeah, so so now I don't do that. Now I'm now I'm here, and I've I've learned how to be, and I've created a life I love, and I get to sleep at night, which was one of the reasons <laughs> I decided to leave surgery behind because I I was I was craving a normal sleep schedule, and mm-hmm. and that was that was really important to me. I was like I, I can't I just can't do it, and I, after you know twelve or fifteen years of taking ten ten days a call a month and not having normal sleep, I was realizing that I was getting angry, and I was like oh that's time to do something different. So. Yeah. You have here on your outline, you say, is symptom-free menopause a thing? Is that is that for me or is a question for me or is that for you? Is that a question for you to answer? So I'm I'm entering menopause. Yeah. Uh, my blood work the last two years has shown that I'm I'm in the early stages, you know, that it's unlikely I'll get pregnant, that I'm, yeah. you know, my numbers are showing that I'm, I'm, I'm in, you know, I guess pre- Peri. Was that perimenopause? Yeah. I have so many women that I work with, so many clients, and they're like, their hormones are totally, totally out of whack. Sure. For a number of reasons. High stress. I really wish my mother was alive so I could, because I I thought she went through menopause much later, like in her fifties, and uh, and here I am. So like, am I too stressed? You know, I'm not, I'm not someone that drinks cafe lattes till three p.m., which I think you know causes some endocrine imbalances. I yeah. could be totally wrong about that. That could but- cause some adrenal problems. I actually, there's a podcast I did with Dr. Green all about adrenal fatigue, and one of the things that we discovered or that I discovered in this conversation with her was that adrenal fatigue feels a lot like menopause, and so it's hard to know the difference between adrenal fatigue and menopause. But there's ways to figure it out. One of them is to take vitamin C. Okay, vitamin C. If you have a vitamin C supplement that supports your adrenals, uh, another thing is to obviously cut back on sugar and. And caffeine and, and those sorts of things, but can, and maybe a little testosterone can help with the adrenals. Interesting. The adrenals <laughs> kick in for that. But if you want to know more, go back and watch the, the podcast with Dr. Green on adrenal fatigue. She's been on the podcast about six times. But for you, so one, one a couple of things you should know is that the average age of menopause is 51. Mm-hmm. All right. Postmenopause is 12 months without a period. If you're in your fifties, it's 24, 24 months if you're in your forties. And the, the, the issue is, is that I truly believe that hormone balancing is is a load of bullshit that was created by and see that you see your reaction, your yeah. reaction, and everyone acts that way because it was created by who who benefits when we balance our hormones? Supplement companies, pharmaceutical companies, right? Not necessarily us. Now, is HRT a thing? Yeah, HRT is a thing. You can take HRT and it can help you, but you you got to, and we, we go into this in our courses that, that you know, you it, it's you start early and you have a short period and you treat symptoms only because there are issues with hormone replacement just, right? just like there's yeah. issues issues with uh, fertility treatments right mm-hmm. so cancer <laughs> right well that's one thing Ca- cancer blood clots are the two that come to mind and so hormone balancing is there a way to do seed cycling to help with your hormones probably not i mean you could take some 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 things you know like uh, flax seeds have a lot of phytoestrogens in them that might make you feel better but at the end of the day if we're fueling our body with crappy fats, right? All of our hormones come from cholesterol and cholesterol comes from the fats that we eat. And if what we're doing is eating crappy fats, then we're going to have a harder menopause. And that's just how it is. And so we, we spend a lot of time in our programs on the podcast talking about seed oils and how seed oils are bad. And and the, the problem with a plant-based diet that I find is that a lot of people 
will end up eating these manufactured things that have that are filled with ve- really crappy vegetable oils. And vegetable yeah. oils are not natural. Doesn't matter whether expeller pressed or you know organic or any of that. They are manufactured, and part of the process is they're plastic and they affect our genetics badly. And mm. so we're totally against all seed oils here at the menopause movement, and that's why. And so how how can we say that eating vegan is better than eating you know natural fats that come from beef or or pig or you know whatever when you're eating this you know, fake cheese. <laughs> right? No, it's true. Yeah. yeah. It's true. And yeah. processed vegan foods are so unhealthy. You right. can be incredibly unhealthy on a vegan diet. Yeah. I mean, for me, I'm high sprout. Like I eat a lot of sprouts, uh, sprouted lentils, uh, sprouted sunflower seeds, sprouts, uh, pea shoot sprouts, broccoli sprouts, radish sprouts. Like, I've, you know, I'm, I'm, that's really my focus is sprouts. Great. That's the only thing that makes me feel satisfied. If I don't have my sprouts, I just feel hungry all the time, all the time. I, 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 I my goal is to have a symptom free menopause, which is probably magical thinking. <laughs> it might be, it might be, but you know, I mean, you're already a behavior change mindset coach. And so I think you have a good understanding of some of the things that, you know, the problem with menopause is it does change our brains. As we lose estrogen, the brain does change. And that's why we go through this period of maybe like not recognizing ourselves or feeling like an alien is beamed down and taking control. And <laughs> and it's true. I mean, I've surveyed over 50,000 women in menopause and there, there are some common themes. And one of them okay. is I feel like an alien. I don't feel like myself. I just want myself back. I just want to be me again. And so mm. the, the ways we show how to do that, I mean, through our program, it's called the Mental Mastery Academy. There's four pillars, right? And it's science, how to eat, how to move and how to think. And once you master <laughs> those, then then you can actually make menopause like the best time of your life because you can start to understand how you can create a life you love. I love it. Yeah. So aligned. It's really yeah. brilliant. Well, one of the um, doctors that I've worked with uh, over the years, a colleague, Dr. Yu, also a surgeon and an endocrinologist, right? So he mm. has two MDs, one from Harvard and one from Hopkins. Crazy. And he's Chinese. Wow. That's totally crazy. He's devoted his life to this. A chronic underachiever. <laughs> I thought I was but, a chronic underachiever by just doing surgery. <laughs> oh my gosh. He's taught me a lot about hormones and he sure. too thinks there are limitations to a plant-based diet if you don't really understand how to architect it for your sure. hormones specifically. And he really taught me a lot about cholesterol. But the reason why I bring him up is because the Chinese medicine has a lot of interesting ideologies around hormone health and hormone balance. I don't know if you've had any experience with that and, and the help of, of balancing it. But if I heard you correctly, are you saying that we just need to be with what is and ride it through? I think that's part of it. I mean, there are things we can do to help and, and you know, obviously, we have programs to, to, to do that. But at the end of the day, if we can make a cut, there's the two changes I always recommend to anyone who's who's, you know, wanting to make their symptoms better is to, you know, if you, when you cut vegetable oil, and you cut sugar out of your diets, mm-hmm. that out of your diet, then you're going to feel like a different person. You just start with those two things. You're going to find that you have more energy. And yeah, you're going to be cra- you know, cranky for maybe two weeks, right? But sugar and vegetable oil, I don't even go after caffeine. I say sugar and vegetable oil. Cut those two things out. Don't eat fried foods out. You know, don't, don't eat anything that has added sugar. Try and stay, from pro- stay away from processed foods, anything in a box. And you'll see after, a, after it takes a couple weeks, two to three weeks. And once your body has replenished, you're going to find that you have a lot of energy and you're ready, you know, you can do a lot. And so we start with that. And then and then we go into, you know, a little bit more specifics. But, you know, in China, they never he even had a word for menopause until more of a recent, you know, recent industrialized world because they just didn't have a problem because they had a good diet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and they have the herbs. Well, they um, have that I actually drink this. Diahide I drink soy. this really black tea that uh, uh, my my Chinese doctor gave me. It's, yeah. it's pretty gnarly. <laughs> 
Does it taste like barbecue? <laughs> Not really. It just tastes really bitter and okay. black, and it's yeah. uh, it's intense. Lots of like slimy black mushrooms and bark and all kinds of wild things. Okay, that there. sounds gross. I'm sorry. You're, <laughs> you're probably eating like reishi mushrooms and and that sort of thing because that's all part of it. But I, I, you know, I don't know. I, I think I think that Chinese medicine has. I think that there's a good role for it in terms of alternative therapies. And I think that you know I, you got to remember that, that that medicine was happening five six thousand years ago. And just because we are you know, I, I mean, it's almost like the Western culture has discounted all of the things that worked in the past because there's no evidence for it. And I think I think it's super arrogant. And yeah. acupuncture works because it moves your energy around. And you know, some of the modalities that came about, you know, from like AT still, what the osteopaths do, you know, those things work, but they're they're considered to be fringe because they don't they don't go along with the mainstream ideas. And it, I'm all for like doing things that work. I don't really care where they come from or how much mm. they cost or or whether there's a lot of weird anecdotal evidence. I mean, if it works, it works and it works for you. Yeah. Because when it comes to managing this stuff, right, there's no one size fits all answer because we are all unique. Every one of us is unique. We have different DNA and we're going to respond to things differently. So I, I do think that symptom-free menopause is a thing. I think it has to do with how you choose to eat and how you choose to think more than anything else. I, I do think okay, that you can do it. Yeah, but right. it's going to depend on you're healthy and and all the things and you may find that you're craving meat and if you do then you know answer don't don't think that you're a failure because you got to eat meat a little bit here and there <laughs> mm, mm. well you know I, i've always had an aversion to it ever since i was okay. a little girl oh. it made my stomach hurt and i remember i said to my mom when i was nine i was like i'm not going to eat meat anymore and she said well you have to eat crabs because <laughs> our family's in the crab business oh sure <laughs> And I was like, I was like, what? Um, but no, she was, you know, so that was an early decision for me. And then I was vegetarian for, gosh, until I was in my 20s, maybe 23, 24, mm -hmm. which is a long time. And then I went to Switzerland because that's where my new life would be. And I had some dry beef. It's like raw cured beef. Mm. I flew back to the United States and I was hospitalized with a severe kidney infection. Wow. And it was at that moment that it dawned on me, dogma is dangerous. I couldn't believe it, that my body would be hospitalized with a severe kidney infection that was resistant. Like I didn't go right to the hospital. They tried to treat it outside of the hospital sure. before they you know, put the, the needles in me. Yeah, it was fascinating. So it really woke me up to like, wow, you, this extremism is not okay. Wow. Yeah, that's, I mean, I, I don't know how you got a kidney infection from eating beef. That doesn't make sense to me unless the beef was contaminated. Well, but maybe I was exhausted or I don't know yeah, what it was, but yeah. the correlation to me, I, mean, I drew the correlation. I, sure. They didn't. I mean, so maybe it's making it up. But you know, there is that tick, right? If you get bit by a long longhorn, it's a longhorn tick and it's prevalent actually in the south and it might actually be in virginia you get a, you become allergic to to meat oh yeah huh. so it could be that it made you sick because you got a bite by that tick and you just couldn't tolerate it anymore it's certainly a possibility radio lab has a great mm. podcast on it i can't remember what it's called but it's um it was it was really interesting so hmm. that's fascinating i really appreciate knowing that but I'm, for me it's also about the industry you know like if i had a neighbor that fished or i had a, a friend that liked to hunt uh, i think i'd be more open to welcoming it back into my life it's just that the this industry this machine mm. of of meat production it just doesn't sit right with me it's just like it just yeah it, you know well yeah i mean we 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 tend to advocate for and eat uh, grass-fed beef and we tend to really advocate open really nice 
farming. But at the same time, at the end of the day, it's all a business in America. <laughs> you know, and and as I like to say, land of the corporation, home of the profit. We we've seen we've seen I don't know if you remember the eighties. Were you were you a kid in the eighties or Yeah, I was a kid. Okay. So yeah. I mean I graduated from high school in nineteen eighty three and I remember back in the eighties it was like all the factory farms were built buying up and killing the mom and pop farms. Like all of our food came from mom and pop farms and then the factory farms, the corporate corporations came in and took over. And we've seen that exact same thing happen in medicine where mm. it was all like onesie twosies. You know, I had a small practice and the corporation came in, took over the hospital and then they just did everything they could to make sure that I would either not have a business or I would have to join them. Mm. And I just chose to close it all, close it all down because I'm fundamentally unemployable. Um <laughs> I get that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, um, yeah. And and at the same time, then of course menopause hit, and I was like, wow, you know, how am I going to get some help? And and so then the menopause movement was born, and and we've mm. moved on. But when it comes to like, let's let's get back to what you do. How do we deal with shame? Because you talk about shame, the shame of it all, and I want to know what that means. I think that uh, as women, we're labeled as irrational anyway, mm. emotional that we don't, you know know how to manage our emotions. And, and I think that people, women especially, feel ashamed when they're going through menopause. There's this weight gain that comes, their skin changes, their bodies are changing in all these ways, and they can't keep a lid on it necessarily. And, yeah. you know, there's this, there's a shame around and a stigma around being menopausal. It's not positive. People don't say, oh, I'm menopausal. You're like, oh, I'm menopausal. You know, it's like, it is not a, pl you know, like, like, oh gosh, those five years, like, don't be around her. Um, even like I'm dating and this guy's like, oh, you're not in menopause yet. Like, I'm not like, I wonder what you'll be like in menopause. You know, that's kind of like how he's thinking. And I'm like, really? Um, and I'm like, what about andropause? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, for sure. Yeah, I think, I think that's true. But you know, the, the problem is, is I think there's a couple, there's a couple things to unpack there. At least in the medical profession, they're so keen to remove our ovaries, right? For whatever oh reason, gosh, right? And if we were keen to remove balls, as fast as we are keen to remove ovaries, I think that there would be a solution. So so I think we have, because like if you told a man that he got to get his balls removed, he'd be like, what? Right? <laughs> And so, I mean, I think, it, and, and because they, they're not external, because of the female organs are inside, I think that it's easier for them to just say, well, you got to remove them, and, and they don't talk about it. But the other thing is, is that menopause, so I love menopause. I have gotten so much freedom from, from menopause, and that is why my program is called the Menopause Movement. And, and the reason it's called that is, number one, we have to break the stigma. The stigma for menopause comes because men don't like it because the women change. And so yeah. we, and, 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 but, but at the same time, it's like a secret society that no one's talking about because there's this like weird thing that happens, right? We start to sweat, we gain a little weight, we, we might change our personality a little bit. <clears throat> so we got that. But why is it such a secret? I mean, we had a talk. We knew that we our bodies were going to change in puberty. It is like a second puberty, menopause, yeah. and and we don't expect it. And so that was my biggest complaint was that what the hell is happening and why didn't I know this was coming? I'm a doctor. <laughs> I'm a doctor. Right. And 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 mm. my friends were dying. And so I went to my friends. I'm like, what's going on? And they're like, oh yeah, you just got to suffer through it. And I'm like, well, f fuck that. Mm -hmm. I, <laughs> I, I'm not going to do it. that, you know. And and that's yeah. actually what set me out to try and figure out a solution. And and so the solution worked for me. I shared it with some people. It got better. They they got better results. Blah blah blah. All the things that happened. And and you know the whole idea, like when when you hire a coach, right? You hire a coach so that you could 
shorten the gap. So it doesn't, what right. took me five years will only take you a few months, right? right. And, and the same totally. sort of thing. So I love it. I love it. I'm so excited. I want to be part of this movement. And I want to like create the ripple effect of this movement. No, it's true. It shouldn't be a secret society. No. And, and I don't want the shame of it all. But it's but it is there. And uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm willing, ready and, and honored to change it. Honestly, I'm excited. So the menopause movement is really here to to help Uplift. empower empower women and and change the conversation and make it not so not so such a stigma. You know, there's there's nothing wrong with menopause. It, it's just something that we're all going to go through. And I think what I like to say is it's the privilege of a long life, mm. right? Because some women mm. don't get to go through it. Really? Yeah, oh, because, because they, it's stolen from them when their ovaries are taken no, out? No, because they're dead. Oh. Because <laughs> they haven't, it. you know, I mean, sorry to be so direct, but yeah, no, I mean, I mean, you think about it, if, you know, 100% of us will go through it if we live long enough, or we're going to go through it because we have surgical menopause or whatever reason, but it's it's this privilege. You know, we always wanted our red wings, right? Everybody wanted their red wings to grow up. And it's it's the anti-red wings. You get to replace all of your all, all of your red linings with silver linings. Oh, it's so great. <laughs> Could you speak briefly, if you don't mind, about the implications of sudden menopause with an abrectomy so, or a hysterectomy? Yeah, so what happens... Uh, you, uh, you know, a lot of women will ha- will be told that they have to have a hysterectomy, a total hysterectomy mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Let's say, obviously, if it's a cancer, if you have a certain certain types of breast cancer, then you have to have your your ovaries out, and that's my sister had part that. Of it. She's yeah. got the BRCA two gene. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're well, BRCA two is more more. That's that's super aggressive. That's associated with male breast cancer as well. I know. Yeah. So um, I-, I dodged the bullet, but you know, she's got that Ashkenazi gene. Ah. Yeah, there's there's a lot of cancer in the Ashkenazi line, unfortunately. So, so if you if you have if you have a hysterectomy and you get sudden menopause, the problem I think is isn't that you have menopause. I think the problem is is that no one says you're going to have menopause. That you mm. just this is just the health the health the healthy thing you got to do for your body is to get your ovaries out, and nobody talks about how that's going to affect you, and and it affects you in, in ways that you're not expecting because you start to not, not only do you crave food and think about food all the time and, and you start wanting to eat other other types of food because you're not, you don't have any estrogen, what's happening is your, your body starts to like put put on weight in the middle because that's where that's where we gain estrogen that's where that's where our fat cells uh will go to to increase estrogen and then our adrenals can burn out a little bit because our adrenals try to make up for it and they don't continue to work so the biggest thing i could say for any woman who's going to go you know have a hysterectomy is to really ask your doctor for like what to expect like if you're going to take my if you're going to take my girl parts out then what's my life going to be like and are you going to give me hormones and and whatnot uh, but the problem with hormones, again, is that they're not, they're, they oftentimes come from horses or cows. They're not human, although they might be doing some human now. I'm not, I'm not an expert on this, so I'll, I'll just say that. But we have to be careful because it's exogenous hormones. They're not hormones that we're creating from our, for ourselves. And when we do that, are there are problems. We can, we can get blood clots and we can get certain types of cancers. And so there's a, there's a lot of issues. There's a lot of issues. And the whole thing about, about not having any research on women until like the 2000s. Like Shocking. all and, and late nineties, yeah. So all of the all of the research, even even to the point, and I talk about this in our in our beta cl- class. But I say that they did a, a study to investigate the role of estrogen on the heart, and they enrolled fifteen hundred men. Wow. Yeah, and it's just been it's just been very very patriarchal, and it makes sense because when you're doing that kind of work, you only think about men. And mm-hmm. growing up in the patriarchy, one of the things I have to say about that, growing up in the patriarchy, like everything was male, right? 
everything was male. My God was male. All my brothers, you know, I had three brothers and a father. And I actually, it wasn't until, gosh, I think I was in my 30s that I started to actually look at myself as a female because mm. everything was just so masculine. And then I was like, okay, let's just, mm. so it, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. And I had to like walk around, you know, I walked around like, oh, I, I'm, oh my God. <laughs> now, <laughs> I'm not that. You know, I'm not that I got pregnant. I got are. pregnant right away. I tell you, it was easy to get pregnant. I was like, oh, I'm all girl. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. I would love to hear your, because fat balance is a big issue for managing inflammation, optimal health, skin, sure. aging. So, you know, you talk about the need for cholesterol, which I totally agree with. Yeah. The seed oils, I mean, I think oil in general, I mean, for me, it's just off the table. Wait, and, all oils? Uh, you're, you're like I, olive oil, avocado oil, the, the good natural well, I, oils. I love to eat olives. Okay. I use olive oil on occasion, uh -huh. but I'm really into olives. I love olives. Okay. All kinds of avocado. naturally fermented. Yes, I okay. love avocado. So whole fats. Yeah. Like I really love to eat those. But I'm curious about the, the balance because they, there is some talk about uh, omega-3 fatty acids right from fish being rancid if you take the supplement. Yeah. So I just wanted to like, I just wanted to see like if you could help me understand from your perspective about hormone health and the balance of fats as it relates to aging, menopause, and inflammation. Yeah, and that's so, a big question. No, no, it's fine. What, what what I usually say is that the best place to get your fats is is any natural fat, right? Nature doesn't make bad fat. So <laughs> if you want to eat, you know, bacon, you can have bacon and then the, the grease that comes from the bacon is okay. You know, you want to eat steak and eat a little bit of fat with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Those are good. As long as you're getting your, your meats from good sources, that's really important. Hormone-free, pasture-raised, all these things, right? Grass-fed. You know, if you're going to cook with olive oil, you want to make sure that you keep it at low heat because it's going to break down. If you want to use high heat, you know, you want to use an avocado oil. Coconut oil is okay. But the main thing is to eat the fats, like eat an avocado eat, or half an avocado every day, right? Because you got to be careful mm -hmm. with calories because fats have uh, nine, gram, nine, nine calories per gram. So you got to be careful and watch out for that. So you got to be careful with your fats because it doesn't matter. I mean, it isn't just calories, as we all know. And I find that if I look at a cookie, I tend to gain weight. So... <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I mean, if, if I go off of my, I mean, I eat mostly protein. And so if I go off of that diet, the weight just comes on. That's just me. That's my body. Well, I find I have to, I have to choose either low fat, high fat fruit or high, you know, high sugar, or it's got to be like low to no sugar, high fat. Like if I, I can't do both. It's right. like, that's what I figured out for myself. It's yep. either fat or sugar. Having both just means moderation, which I'm not that great Low, at. low fat diets are really hard to maintain without a high sugar content. And, and right. I yeah. totally agree. And so it's, it's like one or the other. I, I would rather go for the fat because I think it feels better. I feel better when I'm high fat and I don't like, to, I mean, we all have fruit in the summer. I don't, I don't have a problem with that. So in terms of balancing fats, I mean, I don't love the keto diet. I think that the keto diet is okay if you want, to, I mean, it's going to help you with inflammation and it's going to help you lose some weight quickly, but I, I don't see a lot of people maintaining it because they end up going back. If you don't solve the underlying problem that is causing you to overeat or to eat things more like that you know are bad for you, if you don't start looking at at the behavior, then you're never going to solve the problem. If, if all I'm going to do is willpower, that's not going to work. 
It's not going to work. Yeah, yeah. It's not sustainable. Yeah. No. But what about the liver? I mean, so, so my friend, Dr. Yu, yeah. he, he loves the ketogenic diet, but he, he it's, it's funny because he endorses like macrobiotic diet as well as like this, we call it the keto vegan version of the, the keto because of the way, the way it's architected around sprouts. It's basically sprouted food. That's it. Sprouted uh-huh. nuts, sprouted seeds. But that that's the kind of vegan diet that, that I that I live at this time. But the the omega three fatty acids. I mean, do you do you endorse like sardines and things like that, or supplementation? Well, I'm not I'm not big on supplements actually. I don't love so. Su- I mean, I I talk about supplements and I say you can take this or that. Like, let's say you're having a lot of hot flashes. You know, the sage supplement might be able to help you, especially with sweats. Mm-hmm. But in terms of fatty acid supplements, I I mean, eat sardines or or you can actually get you can get omega threes from flax seeds. You can get them from there's an algae actually that you can use astaxanthin. Yeah, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. So I tend to not endorse a lot of fish because I don't like fish. (laughs) I just don't like it. And so, I mean, Mm -hmm. I think sardines are disgusting. And... (laughs) And the They're only so time for you. Ugh, the only time I'll ever the <laughs> the only time I'll ever eat like salmon is if I'm in Washington where I grew up or out Alaska because it's fresh and yeah. it's I mean I live in New York now and it's really hard to get any fresh fish it all tastes fishy and I don't like it and so but I eat sushi so that's one way I can get it you know I'll eat mackerel I like mackerel when I go to the sushi bar so I'm I'm just not big on supplements I'm really big on whole food that's my that's Me my too. thing yeah Me too um, I do all kinds of fabulous things with flax seeds. I even drink flax water. It's just so, it's like, it, it, it's, it's like so You're never going to have any, you're never going to have any menopause symptoms. It is, <laughs> you know, I, I like chia pudding, but again, it's a seed. And so I'm, I'm really careful about that because there's a lot of carbs in it. Yeah, I, I get constipates me. I, I like the texture. But what I'll do is I, in the fall, I make like a chia pudding, but only with like a tablespoon of chia, mostly delicata squash. It's like oh, yeah, phenomenal. It's delicious. It's like a mousse. It tastes yeah. like pumpkin pie. It's like my favorite breakfast. Yeah. But flax, you can make bread out of flax seeds. Oh, I know. So in the dehydrator. I mean, I just love flax you seeds. Can they use, just make me shine. You can use flax instead of eggs as a binder. Yeah. Yeah. So totally. there's there's a lot of ways to, to use flax for sure. I've been making pizza crust with flax seeds and buckwheat. It is like off the hook. Oh, I bet it's really good. Uh, I bet it's it really is. good. It's just, just the right texture. You don't even need to put that fake packaged cheese with the dangerous oils in it. Like you yeah. can just top it with like delicious vegetables and all kinds like of other tomato good stuff. sauce, and then, and then yeah, yeah, for sure. And then I've been making like cilantro walnut pesto, like that. Oh, it's just like unreal. Oh. So good. I'm having so much fun. <laughs> cilantro walnut. So I like cilantro. Some people don't like cilantro. So if you don't like cilantro, you could mix it with some basil instead. And, yeah, or just parsley. Yeah, yeah. Ugh, parsley. No, no good. You don't like parsley? Not really. It's just, like, these, I'm really crazy about herbs. They're yeah. so good for you. And the more I learn about nutrition, the more I realize the herbs have uh, way more pack for the way more punch. What is it called? Bang way for your more, buck. Uh, thank you. They pack a good punch. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. So you like, I mean, you, you eat it like, is it mostly raw vegan or? High raw, but no, I find raw kind of imbalances me. Okay. Yeah, that's what I find. There's a lot of talk in our community about plant hormones. Is that a thing? I don't know. I, I mean, there's phytoestrogens and I mean, plants, plants are alive and they, they, they probably make their own hormones. But I mean, I think, I think, I think they do. They, I'm sure they do. But plants they are, must. plants are magic. All right. Damn. Plants take the light and turn it into food. That's freaking magic. Right? It's so amazing. And that's why I like to eat so many. That makes me feel yeah. so great inside. Yeah. But again, you can be really unhealthy on a plant-based diet unless you yeah. have this variety. You know, you got to eat in season, ripe food. For me, I eat a lot of, like I 
again, sprouts and greens. Like I'll, I'll have a shiitake kale thing from my garden this afternoon, big sprout salad with just, just sprouts. And they cost a lot or you can grow your own. But, um, you know, I think it's worth it. I I'm going to really tell you what I think it. the best kale is. Tell me. The kind in the garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I, I just happen to have some growing in the garden. I, I tried. I tried to like kale, and I just, I just don't. I'd like to hear before we close. How do you speak the language of your body? Mm, you have to tune in, and that takes a, a moment—at least three deep breaths. Or you're really in tune with your body, and you, you know. But my mind will lie to me all day long. Mm. My body, never. <laughs> I love that. And yeah. if I can tune in and be like, oh, okay, you know, like you feel something and you have to like, oftentimes we'll feel something that's uncomfortable and be like, oh, that's wrong or it's bad or it shouldn't be there. No, you have to actually tune in and you have to ask your body a question, you know, what is this about? And you'll get a vision, you'll see a color, you'll remember something like there is this way to communicate with our bodies. And it's really important that we do it on a regular basis so we can start to understand it. We weren't taught to do this. This is, this is something that I've had to learn over these years, mostly out of desperation because I didn't know where to go or who to ask. It's been a journey, a long journey of deep, deep intentional curiosity. And that takes acceptance Yeah. because for the longest time I was rejecting my body, mm. right? I didn't want, like, why do I have pain here? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. It'll be fine. Everything's okay. No, it, sometimes it's not. And the more I can acknowledge what's happening and accept it, and then I can really just let it go, you know, because I know that things are just going to come and go. This too shall pass, just like the cloud in the sky or the rain. It, it's going to come and then it's going to go. Right. But the more I can acknowledge it, accept it, uh, the the less resistance I have to it, the more I can integrate and the mm. more embodied I am, and then the more whole I feel. Mm. And I think it's really important that we all tune in. It can be before we eat, take a few deep breaths and say, you know, what am I really hungry for right now? We can do it before we go to bed. How was my day? Mm. And this practice is deeper and deeper and deeper because I find that things that are happening in my life and in my mind are actually living in my body. And if I can move it out of my body, I can move through it a lot faster than if I go into a whole mind frame. And I know thousands of frameworks. I've spent over a million dollars in self-improvement. <laughs> I've coached thousands of people. Yeah. I have thousands of people in my programs. Like I know a lot of frameworks that, that, that work here. None of them parallel to just moving it, tuning into the body, finding it in the body, and moving it out. You don't need to get this involved. Oh, I love that. So... I want, I want to just talk about that for one second, because I think that we, we spend a lot of time <sighs> dealing with trauma, maybe trauma that happened when we were children, and we ignore it. And we ignore it because we're not supposed to manage, we're not supposed to be emotional because of the, the whole thing about women, whatever, right? And so what happens is, is that menopause comes and it gives us this opportunity to really stop and really look at, okay, who do I want to be now? Because I don't have to like take care of the kids. And I'm either my, my marriage is fine, and we're doing fine, and we're going to spend some time together. Or oftentimes, you know, maybe relationships will end during this time 
in life or yeah. or we get a new one and those sorts of things. But <laughs> there's just this opportunity to look back and say, is that victimized, that one thing that happened or those multiple things that happened in my childhood, are they still running my life? Because maybe a child is running my life and I don't really want that. And that's why I have that pain in my back or that's why I have that thing. So I think I think it's really important to to take take that time and just listen three deep breaths or 10 deep breaths and and then just ask your body do a little bit of intention and say okay body what do you want to teach me right now kind of walk into it yeah that's that's so good it's so tender and it's so important and at the beginning it was a little bit like a pandora's box Mm. and i was like oh my gosh there's a lot here yeah but then when I was able to work with it and, and move it, like through my breath, I work a lot with music in my own practice, mm-hmm. you know, where I'll tune into the vibration of the music, let the vibration of the music move my body, and then I can tune into something that lives there, and then I can move it with the breath and the vibration. Sometimes they even sound, I mean, it sounds kind of weird, but like a lot of neocortex inhibition stuff I've been working with in my own self, because mm-hmm. you go to the mind through the mind, you go crazy, I think. You go to the mind through the body, you stay sane. Mm. I like to look at it from a different perspective, maybe. I, I, I like to look at, my mind will tell me that I'm awesome and I suck in the same breath. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I like to look at it from this perspective, and the perspective is, who is listening to that? My awareness. Oh, I like that. And yeah. so I am not, so I don't have to really be attuned with the body. I just have to be attuned with the awareness, be the, the, the awareness mm. that can hear both sides of things. So my brain's going to say one thing, or it's going to say the other thing, but who is my brain talking to? Who's observing my brain? Yeah. So tell me the self, where can people (laughs) find you? Oh, jennifer-helene.com. Feel free to sign up for the seven-day free lifestyle plan. There's going to be some plant-based recipes that can help increase plant variety in your life right <laughs> in addition to all the other good stuff you're doing. And some lifestyle suggestions uh, because, again, it's always about the nourishment, the embodiment, and, and the mindset or spirituality. So that, that that's something that for free that you can take advantage of. There's also a contact page. You can reach out to me directly. I'm going to be launching a new program soon. It's a 12-month program. Yes. Really excited about it. Working with moms, how to integrate a healthy mind, body, and uh, soul for all that anxiety and stress <laughs> that, that we have. Yeah, you know, um, I feel really good about 12-month programs. I uh, The Minnow Mastery Academy is also a 12-month program. And the reason for that is that when somebody's really serious about wanting to make a change in their life, committing to a long-term program is the way to do it. And I think that's super, super important that if you really want to make a change, taking a course is one thing. But oftentimes these courses, like th- there's no coaching involved and it's just like you just go and, and, and read it or watch it and then maybe you will apply some of it maybe you won't so a program where you get like coaching at least once a month where you can get your questions answered I think is really a good thing and then something that's a little bit longer because we fall off the wagon you can always come back yeah totally and I noticed that like eight weeks doesn't is not enough you can get a little bit, but like in six months, you get you make a huge leap. Yeah. But then the six to twelve is when the, the the new patterns, the new rituals, the new routines really set in and become just you're in flow. Right. I appreciate you you mentioning that because well, that's takes, that's the only thing I care about is that change that people get, sustainable change. Right. And and in reality, it takes about a year to to have sustainable behavior change. If you really want to make a change in your life, you need to stay with it and have accountability for about a year. And once you do that if you really are serious about it. Now, obviously, if you're not serious about making any changes, the program's not for you, and that's okay. Yeah, and it's like the body. I mean, to me, it just, nature always parallels the physical and non-physical worlds. Like 12 months, you said, in your 50s. Mm. That's mm-hmm. how long it takes for menopause to settle in. Right on. <laughs> you know? yeah. it's like, that's just what the way nature works. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
But you know, the best part about menopause is there's no more periods. And Yay. and I I mean that that was when when I started taking I took I took bioidentical hormones to see if I would feel better, and I got a period, mm. and I was like, uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> no more. Not going back there. No, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, Helene, thanks so much for being a part of the menopause movement today. I hope you'll come back and, and uh, especially when you're when you're launching your program, come back and talk about it a little bit. Thank you so yeah. much for having me. I learned yeah. a lot and yeah. I'm really excited about being a part of your movement. Woohoo! All right. <laughs> Did you know that menopause is not a medical condition? Most doctors don't know this either. I like to say that menopause is the privilege of a long life, and to really take hold of our lives in menopause, we have to unlearn what society and the medical establishment has told us about menopause. This is why I've created this brand new course called Understanding Your Hormones and Managing Your Menopause. I want to show you how you can get on top of your menopause right now so that you can start to see it as the best time of your life. Now, this course is valued at $500 and is in the beta testing phase. And we're currently accepting applications for women to test it out for us at no charge in exchange for feedback and testimonials. But the best part is because you're a podcast listener, you can bypass the application process and go straight to the front of the line. To register right now, simply visit menopausemovement.com forward slash hormones and we can get started together right now. Remember, you can get started right now at no charge to you in exchange for feedback and testimonials when you go to menopausemovement.com forward slash hormones. And I'll see you inside the course. Thanks so much for being a part of the menopause movement. 